This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. This Go Camp Pro podcast is sponsored in part by Camp Gig. Camp Gig is more than just a job board. Camp Gig is designed to be the most useful matching and search tool for camps and camp staff. Camps can sign up today to scan and search through Camp Gig's vast selection of candidates. If you've ever wanted an easy button for finding your next great camp staff, then head over to campgig.com and set up your camp's profile today. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. We have created and are dedicated to this podcast because we believe that staff training is one of, if not the most important part of your job as a camp director. Staff training is what prepares your staff to care for their campers, to feel confident in their skills, to do their jobs to the best of their ability and to learn along the way. A well thought out and intentional staff training will help you in more ways than you can imagine. And we need to help each other bring our very best. As we get started this morning, I'm excited to introduce our other co-hosts. So Beth, you want to take it away for us? Absolutely. I'm Beth Allison, co-owner of Camp Hacker and Go Camp Pro. And I worked in summer camp um, for over 40 years now, but 15 of them as a director in Ontario, Canada. And I am now a camp consultant. And my passion, of course, is intentional staff training. Awesome. Thanks. And Gabs. Well, my name is Gabrielle Real, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. Camp Waro is an all-girls camp in the Laurentian Mountains, and uh, we focus on creating a positive female community, and we do that while speaking in French and in English. Always cool. Always cool. <laughs> and my name is Ruby Compton, and I am the Chief Exploration Officer for Ruby Outdoors. Basically, just means I'm a freelance camp director, so I help out by lifeguarding, driving buses, and doing helping camps with staff trainings. Uh, and knocking out everything that's on the camp director to-do list. So today's topic is building trust with staff. And Beth is going to tell us a little bit more about why we chose this topic for today. Well, have you ever managed camp staff that didn't trust one another? If you have, then you will know how challenging and draining this can be. A team without trust is just really not a team. It's a group of individuals working together, often making disappointing progress. They may not share information, they might battle over rights and responsibilities, and they may not cooperate with each other. And it doesn't matter how capable or talented your people are, they will never reach their full potential if trust isn't present. But when it is in place, each individual in the team becomes stronger because he or she is part of an effective and cohesive group. And we all know that when people trust one another, the group can truly achieve meaningful goals. And that, of course, is the purpose of camp. So that's why we picked it. Awesome. So we are going to start off today with the question of, pretty simple, how do we build trust with our staff during <laughs> orientation? Simple question, complex answer uh, <laughs> is how it typically goes. So uh, we're going to start with Beth today. Yes, I was going to say it might be a simple question, but <laughs> um, for me, one definition describes trust as a reliance on the character and the ability and the strength and the truth of someone or something. So let's just think about that for a second. Trust means that you rely on somebody else to do the right thing. You believe in the person's integrity and strength to the extent that you're able to put yourself on the line at some risk to yourself. Trust, as we all know, is an essential part of an effective team 
because it provides that sense of safety. And when they feel safe with each other, they feel comfortable to open up or take appropriate risks and even expose some of their own vulnerabilities. And without trust, there is a lot less innovation, collaboration, creative thinking, and productivity. And I don't know about you, but I often found that my staff would spend their time protecting themselves and their interests against other people, um, where this is really the time that should be spent helping the group attain its goals. So how do we do that? Um, for me, I think we have to remember that trust starts with us. It begins and ends with us. So we need to make sure that our words match our actions, that we complete our tasks on time. We get it done when we say we're going to get it done. Um, we admit our shortcomings and our failures when they happen. And I worked for too many directors in my youth that never told us they'd ever made a mistake and we all knew they had. Um, we know that this generation has a great deal of issues trying new things because they're afraid to make mistakes. So admitting our own and talking about them and what we've learned from them and how we will change because of it will not only build trust, but it also teaches that valuable lesson in the importance of making mistakes. So if you want to build trust within your team, then I think it's about leading by example and also showing that you trust others. So this means trusting your team, your colleagues, your boss, if you have one. Never forget, or your board members, whatever is your camp setup. Um, I think that we have to remember that we never want to forget that our staff members are always watching and always taking cues from us, just like campers do. Um, so we need to take that opportunity to show them what trust in other people really look, looks like. The other thing I would do is make sure that your values are shared values. So it's really easy at staff training, especially to impose our values or camp's values onto our staff. And in my experience, really wise leaders don't do that. So why not during staff training, give everybody on the team an opportunity to share, I don't know, three to five values that define who they are and how they work. So maybe somebody on your staff might value flexibility while others value punctuality. Some will value excellence while others, value, others value uh, experimentation. Uh, one person may value efficiency while another one values creativity. Um, again, we're talking about different personalities, but another way to, to look at it and have discussions about it. Sharing personal values really helps staff team, uh, teams understand and appreciate their differences. And then when you yourself share your values as a leader, it helps the team know why and how you tick. And we've talked about this often, is about sharing that why. Because once people have shared their own personal values, you can then establish a set of values for your staff. So it gives people that point of reference to work from, to be held accountable to, and then to champion. And for me, one of these, this is one of those things that you can start right now. So before you get everybody to camp, or as soon as you've hired them, however you want to make this work, you can apply some of this um, by working with your team online. So, you know, schedule those meet and greets um, virtually to help everybody get to know each other as individuals. If you have a very large staff, or even if you don't, I would break these into small groups of people who will be working together during the summer, maybe have two or more of these online meetings before the summer starts. Or create um, a web page or someplace online for your staff and ask them all to share about their personal histories and their interests. Tell them they can use memes or videos or sound bites, like whatever they like. It doesn't have to be writing per se. Um, but we can't build trust with people we don't know. So we need to start getting to know each other as early as possible. And we need to make sure 
that people always understand the goals and expectations of the team. So we want to um, make sure too that we're addressing the roles of these people in these groups so that they don't feel uncertain or um, fearful about the work um, that they're doing. And then lastly on this point, I would say during staff training, make sure that everybody on the team is aware of the other team's expertise and skills, as well as the value that each individual contributes to the group. And you can do this while you're covering the roles of your staff members and explaining the layers of support that you've put into place for them. Um, you can do it creatively, however you want to do it, but the more they get to know each other and understand who's responsible for what and how that team works, um, the better off you'll be. Oh, it's so important that people understanding where they can put trust into different members of the team and understanding those values. So thanks for sharing all those, Beth. That's awesome. Uh, Gabrielle, what have you got to add to this? <laughs> um, well, I, um, I go into the summer always knowing that my, um, my role is to win over my staff. And I know that I have to work really, really hard to build trust and they don't know what I can do and they don't know what I'm capable of. And, um, and it's, it's difficult sometimes because as um, the older you get, the, the more experience you have, the, the better you are at doing it, what you, what you what you do, but every year you do need to start over and reprove yourself. And it, it's almost like, I feel like I have a, a long job interview throughout the entire staff training. That is my job interview um, to show my staff that one, not only I know what I'm doing, but two, I've got their back and, um, and, and I'm there for them. So that's a big job interview. And I find that if I go in, into, the, into it that way, then it's, it's less difficult because you can start to get a little bit resentful after a while saying, you know, <laughs> just believe me that I'm good at what I do um, or that I am there for you. So, um, so I really think about staff training as, as a log, a long job interview for myself and that, that proving myself is part of my role because, um, I let, I think that there's something healthy about somebody not trusting right away. I think there's, there's that piece that's important that, um, that I like it when children, you know, you have to earn their trust and, and I, and I don't think that staff are different. So I like that challenge, and I, but I think it's also very healthy. So earning somebody's trust takes effort, takes work, and it takes time. It, it never happens overnight. Um, and if it does happen overnight, well, chances are the trust is very, very thin. And no matter, you know, it's, it's a matter of time before it gets broken. Um, so I follow a model um, TPA. So it's um, tell, prove, and uh, awareness slash acknowledge. So I tell staff members information. So, um, you know, let's just say, you know, I want you to come and talk to me if you have an issue or we try to create a positive female uh, environment by doing, and we do that by doing X, Y, and Z. So I, I set up the framework first, as Beth mentions often, I set expectations, but I tell them, I tell them this is what we do. And then the next thing we have to prove that to them. So um, especially for, uh, all staff members, as, as they go up within your organization, it's a different level of trust that they're learning within the organization and with the other staff members around. And of course, uh, within themselves, right? It's not just trust outwardly, it's trust inwardly as well. So we have to provide an environment, especially during staff training, that, fall, that, that we're, we're actually putting our, 
uh, money where our mouth is. So my returning staff members, it is explicitly told, telling them that, yes, they're there to, you know, learn some information from some of this, uh, the, the sessions, but their number one job is to make connections. Their number one job is to connect with other people, is to help them learn, it's to help them grow, it's to help other staff members gain confidence. And I do that by setting expectations and then afterwards, I also check in with those staff members almost on a daily basis on the development of other staff. And that means I'm taking it seriously and I'm developing their skills as future leadership team members. Um, so because we have We've told them stuff. Now we're proving it because our returning staff members have this mission and that's what they're doing. Inevitably, when um, things are maybe a little touchy or difficult, some new, if new staff members don't come forward with some issues or if there's a misunderstanding, we, talk, we, are, we bring awareness to the situation, but I get them to acknowledge all of the experiences that they had up until this point. So I ask, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the cabin, did, did people ignore you? No. Um, at dining room, did you, you know, did you feel like you could ask for a different meal? Yes. So we look at, because the chances are, if somebody's having a hard time trusting, we need, to, we need to assess, is this from a past experience that has nothing to do with camp, which is possible, or is, does, it do, does it have to do with camp? So let's, let's investigate and see maybe people were mean in the cabin or maybe they didn't feel they could come forward and why was that? But I find if I work very, very hard to show people, to prove to them um, what we're trying to do, it allows for allows for that conversation to go a lot easier because we've already created that framework of, of trust. So when there is mistrust, we can sort of look back um, because, uh, because a lack of trust can come from past experiences, of course. So we want to look at that. And the other piece is with my uh, returning staff members, but particularly my leadership team, is to always, as I, and I've said this before in sessions, but it's always to assess the situation first and then deploy. Because you'll have people that are coming to you that are either upset or frantic or aggressive or accusatory, and just um, deploying a solution before assessing the entire situation can get you in, in sticky waters. And it could also, even somebody that comes to a meeting late, instead of going and saying, hey, you need to be on time next time, instead of asking, assess the situation, and then we can deploy, and maybe they're helping something out, maybe they couldn't, you know, maybe somebody was ill, or et cetera, et cetera. So I like to assess and then deploy. Um, and I'm just looking at my notes. Yeah, basically that's right. That's pretty much where I'm at at this moment with trust. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome, all good stuff. Um, so a, one of the things that you talked about, Gabs, this idea of like, how do we build trust and that it takes time. Um, I, I want to tell a little story and it will connect to all of this, but I was lifeguarding at a local YMCA, did that for a couple years part-time and, uh, our maintenance guy who was kind of a funny guy, he would, um, didn't really I don't, think about the kind of typical camp maintenance guy. Yeah, that was kind of this guy too, right? And didn't talk a lot, didn't share his feelings a whole lot. Um, mostly our conversation was, you know, the chemicals are off in the sauna, like, you know, in the hot tub, like the, that was what we talked about. But he came, sometimes he would come and just start talking to me um, because that he needed someone to share some stuff with. And he said this one time and I, it really, really stuck with me at the time and it recently has come back around. Uh, to be really meaningful. And he said, 
was having this conversation with my son and my son was kind of pushing back on something. And my son said, you know, well, I can do what I want because I'm an adult. And the maintenance guy said, well, what, what makes you an adult? What, you know, what, does he, what do you think it means to be an adult? And his son said, well, I turned 18, so I'm an adult now. And um, the maintenance guy said, you know, I, I understand why you think that, but really being an adult means doing the things you say you're gonna do. And I just remember being like, oh God, I needed a dose of that. Like, uh, I am the worst about that, over committing and making promises and then not meeting deadlines. Um, I, I'm really terrible about it and drawing boundaries around things that it's like, no, I actually can't take this on and do it on the timeline that you want. So um, this whole story came back to my mind most recently because I was working on a, a leadership development program for one of the outdoor ed programs I work for. And uh, my boss, so shout out to Monica Siegel for this one, she brought up this TED talk that she had seen once and it's called Because I Said I Would with Alex Sheen. And I'm so surprised this hasn't like circulated around the camp industry yet, not that I know of at least, um, because it's brilliant. And there's some tough topics in this TED talk, but it all boils down to making promises and keeping them and the honor of our word. And I think in this day and age, it's really easy to commit to a lot of stuff. You know, if you think about it, it used to take for someone to work with you on a project, they had to like come to your office and talk to you or give you a call, but now they can just send you an email or a text and you can be like, yeah, I can do that. And it's just a lot easier to get overcommitted. So what Alex did is he created these little cards and at the bottom they say, because I said I would. And uh, you give that card to whoever it is you're making the promise to. And then once you have completed that promise, then you can go claim that card back, which I think is where the real beauty is. It's like you have this debt that's really physically out there to go pull back. And uh, he, but his story about kind of starting this nonprofit with because I said I would uh, is pretty impressive. And I was just looking at their website today and essentially any donations that come in or pay for some of the supplies they have go straight to the cause. Um, and he's essentially paying for the nonprofit through his speaker fees, which is pretty cool from speaking at conferences and stuff. So uh, just a cool idea and one that I've been thinking about a lot as we, I continue to find myself in conversations where people are always busy and, you know, oh, next week it'll be calmer. And it's like, yeah, but will it, <laughs> you know? And so if we can be more intentional about when we make a promise, really accepting what it is that we're taking on, what it is that we're saying no to, to have the time to work on that thing. Um, and I think if you have a, a staff culture where people are, you know, radically, like very much always doing the things they say they will do, I think your trust level will go through the roof. So that so that's something, smart. yeah, something to look at. It's, it's real so cool. Smart. Um, cool. Beth, do you have some other ideas for us? Oh, I certainly do. Um, I think another thing to think about is um, to remind ourselves as camp directors, assistant directors, leaders, um, not to make all the decisions. So some leaders are just sort of naturally wired to make decisions within a team, and others of us often need to step outside for a minute and make a decision on our own. Um, so we can think things through. And in either case, I think it's really possible to invite other voices into whichever process um, works for you. Sometimes people don't need to necessarily have their way. They just need to have their way considered. So 
I think uh, as directors, I think it's really important to create clear and simple pathways for staff to contribute to decision making. And when it's possible, just give it away. Decide before the training begins what new decisions might need to be made for this particular season and ones you'd be comfortable giving away and not having really much input in, knowing, of course, that you front-loaded all your expectations and all that kind of thing. So during training, you can have open discussions about these new issues and get them to make decisions together because feeling empowered and feeling trusted by you will go a long way to building trust. Another thing I would suggest would be to empower your team to go as far as they can go. Um, I don't know anybody who enjoys being micromanaged. Um, I know it makes me a crazy person. So once you've entrusted somebody with a project, we want to empower them to run as far as they can with it. So when we keep inserting our opinions or redirecting their pro progress or hovering over them too much, that will erode trust in the relationship and in their abilities. So we need to give those clear boundaries and objectives. So once again, yes, front load, front load, front load, and then let them loose. Knowing that you trust them to make good decisions without you present every moment will make a really big difference to them. I have two quick more uh, ones to say. One is let them fail safely. So your team won't always get it right, and that's okay let them fail. So create opportunities for feedback during um, projects and after completion of those, whatever it happens to be. Sometimes uh, fresh eyes from another staff member can make a good idea a great idea. Um, it could introduce a new angle of thinking or it could allow that sort of mid-process tweak that raises that level of excellence. So it's about creating opportunities to edit other people's work. Um, it builds trust, but it also requires a tremendous amount of trust. So this is what you work towards during all of that community building that you're going to do in training. And we've done ample podcasts about community building. So go back to season one and probably two, and you'll find some if you're looking for good ideas there. Um, these kind of feedback loops, when they're really navigated well, can create better outcomes and can continue to build that trust amongst your team. And once something is completed, whatever project that might be, it's often helpful to have your whole staff give feedback on what went well, what you learned, what you might do differently next time. And my last piece would be deal with problems now. So this was my greatest area of weakness as a camp director because I am wired to see the best in people and, um, and I'm driven to mac maximize their potential. So I often allowed underdeveloped projects to go public or let underperforming teammates continue on the team longer than they should have. So I have a tendency to sacrifice the good of the team for the sake of the potential of one. I know I have done it. Um, and so when we don't address problems quickly, efficiently and effectively, I find that it really erodes morale and the trust of the rest of the team. Because everybody on your staff knows when someone's not cutting it. And when a director ignores that, the team is left to wonder whether the leader is not smart enough to see it or courageous enough to address it. Um, but addressing incompetence, however, whatever word you want to use there, or inconsistencies really quickly, professionally, and graciously will really strengthen your team. So I did get better at it, and I knew it was something that I needed to work on. So each year I worked on that. But for me, um, that was always a bit of a difficult thing. Right on. Thanks for sharing that, Beth. 
Next up, Gaz, do you have anything else for this question? I think, it, I think um, I, it's a, <laughs> trust is so huge and there's so many things um, that we need to um, understand on why, how to build trust, what blocks trust, um, um, you know, what's, as Beth was talking about, um, you know, letting, letting staff make mistakes, but safely. So when can you do that? On what tasks can you do that for? There's a couple of theories that I think this is, this would, this is a little bit outside of my character to talk about um, theories and um, for, to follow, but I'd recommend uh, looking up um, Gibbs theory on trust, uh, G-I-B-B-S. Um, it's called the uh, Tory theory. And um, so Gibb has broken down what people need for trust and as a leader, what can you do for trust? Also understanding either Tuckman or La Courcia's, um group development uh, stages is extremely important because we know that at the beginning stage, you need a high level of coaching and support. Um, in the dissatisfaction stage, you need a lot of support and less coaching because we're dealing with emotional stuff. And then uh, in, in following stages, you need to be allowed to do some more delegating and um, you know, letting staff members take on more responsibility. But under, there, there are patterns in groups. Um, there are patterns in leaders. Um, and there's theories, frameworks out there that if, you, if you're somebody that, that would prefer watching a TED Talk on it or reading up on it, I'd look into those two theories or three theories, Tuckman, Lecosaire, and Gibb. Um, to understand it a little bit more. And there's also different leadership styles using a balance of maintenance and task management so to understand. Because what it also, it's sometimes staff morale and something such as trust almost seems like a mystical, magical creature that can either be wonderful and beautiful and sparkly, or it can bite you. Um, and you don't know when that's going to happen. And these theories can really help you set up a framework to one, understand that sometimes your group might be a little uh, nibbly and uh, prickly, and that's not on you. That's just that's just the the nature of groups. But what can you do to support that and move them onto the next stage? And then there's other times where they might be all sparkly and lovely, and how can you capitalize on that? So following, looking actually and and reading up on these different theories, I find very very useful. It gives you a nice framework um, and. Um, and maybe we'll do a five-part series and a podcast on trust so that we can go through all of these things. But uh, definitely, yeah, educate yourself in, in, in this uh, subject. It's a big one. That's for sure. Um, I'll throw out a, a couple other, again, things you can maybe take this year and plug right into your staff training ideas. So on this week's episode of, you know, this is what you talk about with in the context of campers, but it applies to staff is the idea of, of talking to your staff about how do kids build trust, right? And that's going to evolve into a conversation about how humans build trust. Uh, but that can be an interesting way, again, for folks to talk about some of their experiences with building trust and when trust has been broken for them, but they're like projecting it on the campers versus having to open up and say, this was a time that I was really hurt because my trust was broken. They may still opt to do that, but it gives them an invitation to talk about things that they've seen, things that they've experienced with their friends and not necessarily have to open up if they're not ready to do that yet. Um, Tom Heck, who we interviewed in our first season, talked about, um, he came and did a training with us where he talked about trust deposits and withdrawals. 
So he talked about essentially like we're making deposits in the bank and what do those deposits look like and what does it look like for the bank to get robbed? And we actually had a wall where we had these little yellow pieces of paper that um, were labeled trust deposit. And so when you saw, some, saw somebody else do something that was trustworthy, you'd write about it, put it up on the board. So it was a nice way to tie that concept into kind of like a public shout out board. Um, I think also some little things that you can do uh, is stick to your schedule during staff training. And we know stuff happens, right? Uh, but as much as possible, when you say a session's gonna be an hour, try to keep it at an hour. Um, when you say it's going to start on time, the one that you probably have the most control over, try to have it start on time because that lets you show that you respect each other's time and trust me, I'm going to keep you on this journey and keep you where you need to be. Um, and if changes do need to happen because they do, welcome to camp, then just make sure you're explaining it, right? And when you can explain the why and say this is why we're moving this around, generally that's going to help people versus just, hey, we're doing something totally different right now. And yes, our camp staff need to be flexible and be able to do some of that pivoting, but when it's possible, let's try to explain it to them, tell them what's going on uh, versus just throwing curveballs at them. In general, folks don't like uncertainty, right? The occasional surprise or flash mob, it's fun, but when folks are constantly feel like they are guessing, they're not happy. They're not happy at all. And we even discovered a couple times where we had planned surprises for our staff and for the campers where the staff got upset that we didn't tell them about the surprise. They were pumped about the surprise, but they were also mad that we hadn't told them about it ahead of time. <laughs> so I think often erring on the side of more information rather than less, especially with our staff, is a good plan. Um, and then another big one is if you have a rule, stick to it. Don't have rules at camp that are not ones you're going to enforce. And I think that's a really easy way and times that I've seen people get the most frustrated and upset, me included. <laughs> I, am, I am one of those people that's like, if it's the rule, you should be following it. What if it's a dumb rule? I, you need to follow it until it's changed, right? So uh, there are people on your staff, and it's not everybody, uh, but there are people on your staff who they expect you to enforce the rules that you have set out. And so when you don't, or some people have those rules enforced and others don't, as a very quick way to get people really upset and very distrusting and it creates some bad juju very quickly. So um, don't just put policies and procedures in because you know the accreditation says that you have to. Uh, really look at them and see are the things that we're putting in our manuals, are the, the covenants and the community guidelines that we're setting, are they really things that we're, we are ready to enforce? And if not, then we need to rethink about how that's worded or how you're going to share it or if it goes in that document at all. Yeah, yeah. Anybody Consistency else have... and transparency for sure. Oh my gosh. Yes, 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 yes. Um, anybody else have anything they want to add? I think I would just say, and Gab sort of touched on this already a little bit, but I think we just need to make sure that we give it time. Trust is never built in one meeting or one conversation or one decision. Um, it's built day by day, conversation by conversation, decision by decision over time. Um, and it's not something that we can put on autopilot. So it's something that we have to champion and guard and nurture every single day of the year, even when your staff are not at camp. So, um, you know, it's one of the fundamental parts of being on camp staff is having that trust um, and that cooperation. And we know that the problem with trust is it is a feeling um, and you just can't make people trust you. And so spending that kind of time where you're nurturing that and providing opportunities that are really well thought out and intentional 
to have them trust one another in the proper sequences as Gab was talking about um, really do make a difference but it's not something that for me ends when leadership training is over and something that you need to again be consistent and transparent throughout the summer as best as you can and it may be a conversation that says I would um, I need to something is going on at camp I cannot tell you all of the details but by then you're hoping you have built up enough trust with them that they, you will say, please trust me that things are under control and I will tell you what I can. Uh, because we all know, sadly, sometimes things happen at camp that we can't share all the details with everybody. So I think it's just that constant um, consistency, transparency, and then making it a priority because it will pay you back in spades. Anything else from you, Gabs? Um, um, and to, to build upon what, uh, Beth was saying, with with the time aspect, um, th there's different layers of trust and anybody that's been in a long-term relationship or just has uh, uh, friendships that have built over time, um, it's the same with your staff. So the, the longer that your staff are, are with you, the, the, the higher chances or the more opportunity we have to build a deeper trust with those people. Um, but they can also plateau or they can go in the in a different direction and it can go in a lack of trust and you're starting to build um, sort of almost scar tissue uh, in in, the, in the, the lack of trust area so any issues that you have as Beth had mentioned earlier um, you need to deal with them immediately um, and but also look at it as an opportunity and have expectations of staff members that are returning um, built to, to push them in that area where they can learn more about you and you can learn more about them um, uh, because that the if you have strong trust with your returning staff members then they will trust you when you ask them to uh, you know you know do whatever you need to them to do during staff training etc cetera, etc cetera. so just to be aware of those long-term relationships that there's a wonderful opportunity but they have to be maintained and they need to always be growing status quo won't work with uh, your long-term returning staff. Maintenance takes time. Yeah. We all know. So that's, sometimes we get so focused on the new that we forget about the maintenance of some of our most valuable people. And mm -hmm. exactly. taken care of. Yeah, and ask yourself, how can we, you know, how, how can we build that relationship more? Um, and, it, and it gets, it becomes more and more specific uh, on the amount of time that that person you've spent time with as well as um, them as individuals it becomes more specific to them and to you as uh, as a working team. Nice. Awesome. Oh, y'all, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot in there. <laughs> so uh, today we're actually, we're going to skip the recap because it's just all so good. It's dense information. And we think the best way that you're going to absorb what was just talked about is just to go back and re-listen again. So hit rewind, replay it, start again, get your notepad out and uh, see what you take home from that. Um, we also, at this point in the show, want to invite you to get involved with the Camp Code podcast and tell us what topics you'd like for us to discuss, any guests that you'd recommend that we talk to, any great leadership training tips that you have to share, because we love sharing in this industry, and it's one of the things that makes it so special, and we love hearing from our listeners as well. Also, if you found this podcast to be useful, if you can leave us a rating and review in whatever podcasting app you're listening in, uh, we'd really appreciate it. 
we have a short link for you. If you go to camphacker.tv slash cc underscore iTunes, uh, that'll take you right to our feedback page. Or you can tweet your love of the show by going to camphacker.tv slash campcodelove. That's all one word. Uh, your feedback really helps keep the show going and also helps other people find this podcast. So before we finish up the episode, we want to make sure you know how to get in touch. If you have any additional questions about things you heard today or want to suggest some other ideas. So Beth, will you tell us about that? Mm-hmm. GoCamp.pro is where you can find out more about us. Beth at GoCamp.pro will get you directly to me and you can find me on Twitter at Topaz Awesome. Gabs? And you can follow me on Instagram at Gabrielle Rail, Rail with two L's. And you can check out where I work at waro.com, O-U-A-R-E-A-U.com. Nice. And you can find me at rubyoutdoors.com. Uh, email is ruby at rubyoutdoors.com. And on Instagram, I'm at rubyoutdoors. On Twitter, at rubylin85. For our next podcast, Beth is going to tell us what our next episode is all about. Well, since we just finished such a, you know, unimportant episode, we're going <laughs> to follow it up with another unimportant episode, uh, growing self-esteem in your staff. And we realize that could be an entire podcast on its own, but we're going to try to tackle some ideas for you. <laughs> I, I sense a little bit of sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> just a little. <laughs> Our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training, and we would love to hear some of your most memorable moments or most effective tips. So you can tell us what those are using the hashtag camp code on your social media of choice. And today, Beth has our best practice. So whenever you notice your staff doing something you're a little bit unsure of, why not try asking them, so what's your plan, instead of immediately assuming that they're getting into trouble? So much of the time, they have this very thought out plan that may need to be executed in a better or a safer way. But nonetheless, instead of shutting them down, it opens up a conversation and we're able to help them instead of unknowingly hurt their confidence or maybe their imagination. So I think for me, if you try that sometimes, you'll be surprised by their thoughts and ideas and it will help to continue to build that trust. So um, what's your plan? How do, you, how do you foresee this happening? Um, instead of just, what on earth are you doing? Um, which is probably what's running through your head at the time. But what's your plan? Um, for me, I would say that there are like six ways that I could sort of wrap all this up. Um, words that, ways that we can build trust um, by aligning actions with words. So um, recognize that building trust takes hard work. And Gab has already said this, it must be earned. Be honest and supportive. Sometimes be quiet, <laughs> just listen, um, be consistent and um, model the behavior that you seek. That's always a big one for camp people. And of course, build in your accountability. Right on. Well, thank you all so much for listening in today. Stay tuned for our next episode. And from all of us here at Camp Code, thanks for the listening, friends. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Ruby Compton, world-class trainer, podcast host, and all-around genius. Hi, Matt. How are you? 
Doing well. How are you? I'm well. Ruby, I have a question for you. Have you ever met a job board that cares about you? Uh, I can't say that I have. Well, I just finished reading a great article on reducing roadblocks when it comes to hiring camp staff. And do you know where I read that? Where was that? Campgig.com. Campgig.com? Yeah, campgig.com. I have never met a job board like Campgig. Not only does it have industry-leading search functions and detailed multi-level staff profiles, but it even includes a blog with articles that are helpful for both camp staff and camp directors. That sounds amazing. Yeah, you should definitely check it out and find your next great camp hire at campgig.com. Ooh, I will go check that out right now. Sweet. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.